Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Folks, before we get into the show, wanted to tell you that you could save 15% at sodastick.com by using the promo code PURPLEINSIDER at checkout. That's S-O-T-A-S-T-I-C-K.com for your Minnesota sports-inspired hats, hoodies, shirts. Use the promo code PURPLEINSIDER at sodastick.com. Welcome to another episode of Purple Insider. Matthew Collar, Paul Hodawanik here. We have questions for each other because there's no more coach search and there's no more GM search. And I don't think we're going to have a quarterback trade just yet. So, Paul, we have questions for each other, but we also have a Super Bowl and Super Bowl week. Do you enjoy... Super Bowl week, the buildup, the articles, the interviews, the goofy stuff that goes on. Um, in 2017, I got to cover it in Minneapolis and St. Paul and um, not with the Vikings in it, unfortunately, for their fans. They were not the first to have it at home, but it was pretty weird. Um, one minute you have some guy asking Tom Brady about like a defensive scheme. And then the next you have someone asking him if he thinks he's the cutest quarterback alive. Like that happened. No, who was I standing near? One of the McCordy's I was standing near one of the McCordy's and they, they lined everybody up and you would walk up and there's like four or five journalists asking questions. And somebody was asking, I think it was Doug Farrar. Who's a really good writer from USA today was asking one of the McCordy's about some defensive scheme thing. And he gives this great answer. It's like, wow, cool. And the next person walks up and goes, if you were to rate Tom Brady's hotness one to 10, like what would you give him? And McCordy, like he's been there before. He just, he just had an answer ready, but that's what it's like for Super Bowl week. Do you like the hype and the build up to the game? Well, Tom Brady's an eight, um, but I would say, yeah, yeah. Solid. Um, okay. I, I, I like it. I, to be honest, I love that. Just random questions that we're throwing at them. Um, they're prepping for like the biggest game of their life, but some, uh, reporter from people is doing some weird features. So they have to answer a question about it. Just meant if you talk about mental toughness, you got to make it through that. So no, I, I do love Super Bowl week. Um, I think it can get played out at times just by the two weeks. I mean, we're just ready to get going, but like today the pro bowl's on, uh, I'm, I'm not watching much of it. Um, but I just don't really know what to do with myself today. And so the Super Bowl is the last day for it. It's hard not to enjoy everything that comes with it. Um, so yeah, I, I like the week, but it can be overdone at some points and we're right in the middle of it. And it, it really does feel like a lull, not only because of the Vikings and their situation, but just that we don't have football going on. So it, it's lengthy, but, but I, I don't know if there's really a much better way to do it. 
I was thinking about um, just how this is so unique in sports of everyone in the world who is a sports fan, even casually, even the most casually, all talking about who's going to win one football game. I mean, that doesn't happen with anything else. Like the NBA finals go seven games, baseball, the NHL, which of course it would be ludicrous if it was just one game for those sports because they could be so random. But uh, it's there's nothing else quite like this. I mean, if it was Serena and Venus, that might be it. I mean, even in golf, when Tiger Woods was at his greatest, there's still a bunch of other dudes. So it was great to watch Tiger, but there's a lot of other people. It's not just Tiger versus one other person. So it's so unique in sports, which is why it's so big, I'm sure. And uh, I enjoy the build up to it too, listening to everybody sort of try to top each other with a hot take or try to break down every single factor. And then sometimes you have these massive breakdowns and the game is over in like the first quarter. And then other times you have all the things that you expect go exactly as you expected them. And a lot of people look really smart and it's very interesting. And, and then I like that all the, the best analysts pick the thing apart. So the next week is filled with really great breakdowns of a single football game and how whatever happened ultimately happened. So, of course, I mean, what what would we be if we were saying like, oh, yeah, Super Bowl, who needs it like that? Well, I guess maybe that would be a, a Vikings take, take, right? Yeah, yeah it'd be a, right. I'm <laughs> sure. Um, anyway, so uh, we've got some some questions to talk about, but I was going to ask you um, first just about who uh, you want to win the game. Uh, because I, I feel like from a Vikings perspective, I don't know. Does it really matter? Like, I'm sure some people want Stafford to win with the Rams so they can pretend it was Kirk Cousins. And I'm sure other people want Burrow to win so they can pretend it's the guy the Vikings draft next. I mean, that's it's really the only Vikings angle to this. I don't even know if there's any ex-Vikings on either one of these teams. I'll have to look through their roster, um, but I don't even know if there's anybody like, oh, it would be great. With the Chiefs, it would have been nice for Jarek McKinnon. Everybody likes Jarek McKinnon. He was a great guy in the locker room for the Vikings before, but there isn't like even that guy. Like, oh, it would be nice if so-and-so won are the we Super like, Bowl. Are we passionate about like Riley Reef on the injured reserve getting a ring? <laughs> or or is, Trey Waynes, yeah. Is no. Trey Waynes even playing? Like, I guess. No. I don't, I don't think we have a yeah. connection to care. Yeah. No, those guys are both hurt, so they're not yeah. going to be in the game. Uh. Yeah, I I want the Bengals to win if I was picking uh, just for what that makes Joe Burrow and kind of the trajectory that he then gets put on the Mahomes trajectory of winning so early in your career. And just you get the all right, well, how many Super Bowls he's going to win? And someone outrageous is going to say Joe Burrow is going to win six if the if he wins on Sunday. So I'm ready for those conversations. And I think that adds the best narrative to the league that adds kind of the most fun wrinkle of just a really, really another dominant AFC quarterback coming in and just what that means for that whole landscape. If the Rams win, it's cool. It's a win for a different type of team building that traditionally hasn't really been tried to the extent that it has been tried. So if they win, that's pretty cool. Matt Stafford's a good guy. So that's good. And then it legitimizes careers for the likes of Aaron Donald, um, for the likes of Odell Beckham for Cooper cup. So there's some cool like legacy things for some of the Rams players if they win, but just from what it would mean and what we think and talk about, it would be the coolest for Joe Burrow because it's resets. You're thinking on how quickly you can turn around a team. If you get your quarterback, it resets just the hierarchy of quarterback in AFC. Um, 
I he's up there then with Mahomes and Allen, which he was before, but then that really kind of solidifies him up there. Um, so yeah, I think it's easily to me, the Bengals, there are some cool things on the Rams side, but just the potential that that has with the Bengals and that city and that team to be so bad for so long and then to win one. I, that's, that's what I'm rooting for. Um, and that's what led me to pick them on our show right after the championship games. But the more breakdowns I read, it feels less and less likely, but that's where I want to go. Yeah, I think the Rams should be considered the extreme favorites here because of the totality of their roster. And if we think that even Joe Burrow is a little better than Matt Stafford, he's not so massively better than Stafford that it can make up the difference between you know having Aaron Donald on the other side, who is uh, one of the greatest defensive players to ever step on this earth. So, I mean, that and that was the ultimate factor at the end of the game uh, against San Francisco is that Aaron Donald made an unbelievable play and that could be the difference sometimes. Uh, you know, I think everyone gets annoyed with the McVay stuff because it's just like, oh, McVay, tell us again about how everybody loves McVay and all that ever. But I, I would say that, you know, if he wins a Super Bowl here, I mean, you're talking about somebody who is truly revolutionary in the game, um, that he would solidify his legacy as even though he's what is he even 40 years old? Like he's, he's still, he's still pretty young. Um, but getting to two Super Bowls in his first handful of years here, and they have had good rosters, but one of the Super Bowls is with Jared Goff, who is a good quarterback, but not a great quarterback. Uh, that so much of it, especially with Stafford coming from the Lions to the Rams, is on what he's been able to do offensively and the 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 cutting edge style of offense, um, the adjustments he's able to make, the leadership that he has. Like, I mean, his game management could be a little wonky at times, but um, I mean, we're talking about somebody who has accomplished more by this age than almost anybody else ever in NFL history as a head coach and he's deserving because his teams are that good. Even last year, I mean, their team still wins a playoff game and they were kind of a wreck. Like their offensive line wasn't that good and golf wasn't playing particularly well. And then they reload and, and go to the Super Bowl. I mean, McVay is probably deserving of that as the better coach in this game. And then also, I mean, at least here's the one thing silver lining for Vikings fans would be if the guy you just hired shows up for his introductory press conference with a Super Bowl ring, like that's that's pretty good. Um, that That's yeah. something that you want, I think, if you're a Vikings fan. Even if you don't like the Rams, even if you don't really like McVay, um, I, I think that you have to be, if you're a Vikings fan, saying the guy who's going to be our coach, like – let him let him show up with a ring. Don't don't let his offense no show in this game. And then you, everybody goes, oh, that's what's going to happen to us. Yeah, it's just your coach has a picture like holding the Lombardi trophy. That's like better than where where Vikings have been for a while. So I think you take that. You feel really good about it. Hopefully it brings some added swagger with Kevin O'Connell that he's a Super Bowl champion. You bring some of that energy in. I I, I mean, hopefully there's some cool picks of like him really hammered on like the floaty on the, like the um, just like partying it up, like just looking super cool and just adding to the Vikings vibe. I feel like that's probably best case scenario. I mean, if you're a player on the Vikings, if you're Justin Jefferson or Christian Darisaw or Brian O'Neill or something, and you're watching the Super Bowl and you're just feeling a lot of sadness because your team didn't even get to play in the playoffs. 
Um, and if you're Jefferson, they've never played in the playoffs since you've been here. And so you're watching and you're seeing your next coach, like your next leader, raise the trophy and he's on the sideline talking to his quarterback and they're throwing to their number one receiver all the time. I saw at the Pro Bowl in the practices, Justin Jefferson was asked about it and he said like, yeah, I, I could take a, I could take one of them coaches that throws to their top receiver all the time. Like I, I would say that it's off on the right foot. That doesn't mean they're going to go and win the Super Bowl next year because I, I don't think that's their trajectory at all. But in terms of the cachet that you walk in the building with, already being in this game is helpful for Kevin O'Connell. But winning the Super Bowl with 14 catches to Cooper Cup would not be a bad start um, to earn the respect of Justin Jefferson. So let's get to some of our questions here, though. Yep. Um, so I was watching the Senior Bowl, and I and I mentioned it a little bit on the previous show about some of my observations. Shocking that people now all of a sudden like the quarterbacks that they saw them at the Senior Bowl. I can't believe it. Um, I'm sorry. I know that I'm going to get so obnoxious with this. It's a really long time until the draft, and I'm just going to continue through the combine, being like, "Oh, I thought that nobody could play." So I'll I'll yep. try to ease it back a little. I promise. Um, but if you had to draft one of these quarterbacks right now, no other information except for how they did senior bowl week and what they did last off season or last season. If you had to draft one of these quarterbacks right now, and by the way, I noticed that Mike Renner from PFF, which we'll get him on the show to explain this does not have Malik Willis in his top five, which I was really surprised by. He's got Carson strong, I just, uh, I think that's a, that's a Carson weak take to have Carson strong in there. I was not impressed by Carson strong at all. I, I think like I'm out on that. I am out on the immobile quarterback who supposedly has the big arm, but, um, who, who would you take if you had to do it today? Yeah, I was doing some research for this question and Mike was really putting me in a tough spot. Cause he, in his, the PFF draft guide says he has shades of Cordell Stewart Malik Willis does. And I was like, man, am I just about to go on this podcast and say I would pick Malik Willis, but he has shades of Cordell Stewart. Like that's who I'm going to be going to bat for, but it is, that is going to be my pick uh, based on senior bowl. It's hard coming out of the senior bowl in who you trying to figure out who had really good weeks, who didn't. Um, I've probably looked at 10 different uh, senior bowl recaps and they all have different iterations. Like one guy said, Desmond Ritter was horrible. Another thought he rose the most. So like, it's really hard. It's based on guys who are there who are watching some reps. They don't get a chance to look at everything. They're talking to some scouts, not all scouts. So it's really hard to analyze um, super, super in depth. But for me, it's Malik Willis um, based off what we saw at the senior bowl. At least it seemed like consensus. He was having the best of weeks um, compared to everyone else, at least in what he was showing on the field. Uh, PFF, called him one of the stars of the week uh, on this in the senior bowl game. He had like a really nice escape where he gets out of the pocket, um, runs around, shows his athletic ability. Uh, so that's where I go, at least in terms of the senior bowl week. And then he had a couple statistics that I really liked um, just third and big time throw percentage of all NCAA quarterbacks last year. So if you're trying to figure out your mold and likely as we saw with the coach GM, Teams like to go with the opposite of what they had. So they're going maybe something that's not Kirk. Uh, third and big time throw percentage is probably where you go. And it's also maybe negatively uh, 108th ranked in turnover worthy play percentage. So he throws, he throws some turnovers. So that's, he's gonna, he's gonna 
he's going to cause some interceptions. There's going to be some fumbles. Like that's going to be what's going to be in there. But he had 28th best average depth of target. Um, let's see, fifth average time to throw. So just a lot of these statistics that we like to see right now, Malik Willis checks some of those boxes. As we've seen from every quarterback, they all have different um, cons that people are talking up. And Malik Willis sure has some. I mean, he played at Liberty. So you don't see him playing against those top teams. He didn't do well against the competition when he played power five teams. Uh, but I think also he didn't play with good player, as many good players at Liberty. So you can kind of take that one both ways, depending on how you want to spin your argument. But for me, it's Malik Willis, just what he brings with his feet, the athletic traits that he has. Uh, we've just seen coming out quarterbacks that have those are just better set up. And so for me, it was Malik Willis over small hands, Kenny and all the other guys <laughs> at the senior bowl. Uh, do you know what Cordell Stewart's record was as a starting quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers? He started I, um, 80 games. Well, let's see. His record does weirdly not quite add up to 80. Um, I don't know why that would be. But uh, do you know what his – or at least that's what it says. Maybe he got a win in relief. Maybe – I don't know. Pro football reference. Anyway, uh, what uh, what do you think his record is? 80 games. Start? Well, it adds up not to 80 for some right. reason. We're going to go like winning percentage of like what are, Am I taking I crazy pills here? Hold on. <laughs> it adds up to 75, but says he started 80 games. So go with 75. Oh, God. Okay, now we're doing more complex math than I wanted. Um, Like 30 and 45. I don't know. Was it horrible? I, I don't remember much of the Cordell Stewart era. I know. This is, this is why I asked. Uh, 46 and 29. Cordell Stewart led an 11-5 season as his first season as a starter for Pittsburgh and then a 13-3 Pro Bowl season by uh, 2001, which was his one, two, three, four, fifth season as a starter. Cordell Stewart, if he plays today, I think is a really effective NFL quarterback. Uh, right. Cord Cordell Stewart also averaged four to 500 yards rushing per season, his best season, 537 yards rushing. He had over his Pittsburgh career, 35 rushing touchdowns. Like Cordell Stewart was, a, a, I mean, I honestly think it's a great comparison by Mike. Right. I really do. After watching Malik Willis a little bit, like the throws are all blazers. They're just like, I'm going to whip it as hard as you can. Cordell Stewart had no touch whatsoever. He just threw the ball super hard at people. And sometimes it worked and sometimes it didn't. But he didn't get sacked and he ran insanely well. Like I think, I mean, we're talking about Pittsburgh back in the day, handoff to Jerome Bettis, handoff to Bam Morris. Like that was their offense, uh, play defense, three, four, all that stuff, you know, classic Pittsburgh Steelers stuff. But if they built an offense that was in 2022 for Cordell Stewart, I think you win a lot of football games. And I think the same thing, if Malik Willis were to become that, that it's there are times where it's going to drive you crazy and you'd be like, what just happened on some of these throws? Which, I mean, there were even some some plays with him in the senior bowl where you're like, oh, okay, well, he looks like he kind of, if the first read's not there, he just takes off. But when he takes off, the guy runs insanely fast, like as fast as anybody. And so I don't want to compare him to Lamar Jackson. I think Lamar Jackson was a better passer uh, than Malik Willis. Doesn't have as strong of an arm. But I just think it's the world that we live in that if you can make big time throws like you're talking about and you can run as a quarterback, like Cam Newton, and I again, I don't want to make Malik Will sound like he's Cam Newton because Cam was a number one overall pick. 
Cam's not the most accurate passer in the league. He often completed 55, 60% of his passes. And some years even, he was inaccurate. It wasn't as good. But when it was good, they went 15-1. to one. He won an MVP and went to the Super Bowl. Yeah. And so if someone's ceiling is Cordell Stewart, who can go 13-3, and three, or if it's um, Cam Newton, who, who can do that, they're comparing him to Josh Allen. I don't quite want to go there, but I mean, I can see where that comes from because Allen had the same stuff. He played he's much for, smaller than Allen. So yeah, that's that's that. a part of it. Yeah, he's Allen is six five or six six, so there's a little difference there. But the arm strength, the mobility, uh, Willis is faster than Josh Allen, so maybe there is a comparison there. I don't know. If you draft him, you have to be really patient. You just have to be. That year one, he's not going to come in and win you the Super Bowl, but year three then it might start to all come together. Um, so if you want to draft somebody who's a little more ready right now, which I don't I don't need to, um, it would be probably Kenny Pickett, or would you go Sam Howell? Like, what's your order right now? And this will change all the time. Mm-hmm. In terms of if you want to win right away? In terms of just like, so Willis is your first pick. Yeah. But let's say Willis now after this is taken really high. So like, who's after that? I kind of like Matt Corral from Ole Miss, uh, just another guy with the same profile. I think you see my bias in terms of what I'm looking for in terms of a quarterback, a guy who's athletic, who's mobile. He wasn't in, he wasn't at the senior bowl. So I didn't really think of him in this conversation just because he wasn't there. Uh, but I, I would maybe go him just for the traits that we're continuing to talk about. Like I know drafting for traits can get dangerous uh, because for every Josh Allen, there's, 10 Paxton Lynch's or random guys that aren't very good that you try to draft and work with and it doesn't work. Uh, but in this class, which people don't feel like there are those one, two guys that really, really fit the mold that are surefire Joe Burrow types. I'm going to look for those traits first. Um, he has some Matt Corral does. He was in an RPO based system a lot. So you're wondering if that can translate. There's again, there's cons with all these guys, but I would go him for the athletic profile and uh, if you checked out school searching, you saw some cool stats about Matt Corral uh, in terms of his scrambling, his um, sack EPA. He's been really able to avoid a lot of those things. And quarterbacks that have been able to do that end up playing and doing really, really well most of the time. So he fits some of those kind of advanced stats that I have been liking to look at. Uh, and then I think I go Sam Howell, Kenny Pickett. Kenny Pickett just seems like a very safe option. Uh it's the type of guy that seems maybe trendy following Mac Jones, a guy that you feel like can come in, run the offense, do things well. If you have it set up for him, that's kind of what Kenny Pickett assumes or like his best scenario is that when you're kind of in that type of system. And that seems very much similar to what the Vikings have now and what the Vikings have not worked well with, with Kirk cousins. So I've seen some articles about him looking like the Joe Burrow of this class, maybe, but I, I go more for those athletic traits, the big arms, uh, before I go someone like Pickett. Hey, everybody. I've been making my meals from HelloFresh, and I have to tell you, I cannot make enough of these things. And if I can make them, literally anyone can. With HelloFresh, you get farm-fresh, pre-portioned ingredients, seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip the trips to the grocery store. Count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. One of the nice things for me as I'm grinding the football tape is that HelloFresh Cuts back on the time spent in the kitchen. Meals are ready in around 30 minutes or less. Plus, their quick and easy meal options, including 20-minute recipes, 
Low prep, easy cleanup. They provide an even faster route to putting food on the table. You guys know we love stats on the show. How about this one? HelloFresh is 72% cheaper than a restaurant meal of the same quality, and you can save on average over $65 per month when you order HelloFresh instead of grocery shopping. That's more money to put toward your NFL draft guides. How about that? Uh, We've been cooking HelloFresh meals here in the house for the last couple of weeks. Just made the Parmesan chicken the other night, and uh, it's a game changer, guys. So go to HelloFresh.com. That's HelloFresh.com slash Insider16. HelloFresh.com slash Insider16. Use the code Insider16 for up to 16 meals for free and three free gifts. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I also would go corral, and of course, always the reminder, none of us really know, no. but in yeah. terms of like trying to project what, what kind of traits and everything, I agree with you that if you only I listen s- to Jeff Garcia, only Jeff, yeah, Garcia. only Jeff Garcia, he's since he played, it's funny. I, I talk about that with um, Sage Rosenfels all the time, and I'm trying to set something up with Sage. That's going to be cool. So like, stay tuned, but uh, about just like how hard it is to figure out these guys coming from college. Cause Sage works with quarterbacks that are coming out. And he ha- was talking to me about how like someone he's training right now for this draft, like they don't know anything about reading defenses because you just don't have to in the system that they played in. It's like, how can you project? So you have to focus mostly on traits. So when I see mobility, arm strength, playmaking ability, which I do like about Pickett a little bit that he has a creativity to him. And I don't just mean the one play where he faked the slide, but I mean, rolling out, making plays a little bit like that. Um, he kind of has a swagger to him. Sam Howell, I think has a great arm and he can clearly run. My question always is with the, with that though, is like, unless you're Malik Willis, are you a difference maker running the ball just because you could run in college? I don't think Sam Howell is. When I was watching him in the senior bowl, he ran a couple of times successfully, but it was it, it was not fast. It, it was like not NFL fast. It was college fast. But Malik Willis is NFL Lamar Jackson, Cordell Stewart type of elite fast. I think they said he hit like 20.5 miles an hour or something running in practice. And that's nuts. That's not Sam Howell, but I think he does have a, a big arm, uh, which can be good for you. I, I don't know. I mean, the rest of the guys are kind of, and, and Ritter uh, moved around pretty well. Yeah, I forgot about him. Throws a nice ball for sure. Uh, they ran some boots. He may had a couple of nice throws. The, it, it's sort of like Willis to me and then yeah. Corral, and then I'm not sure. And we'll have to see how some of these things play out after that. So uh, what is the first question on your list, Paul? Mm, let's see. Let's dive in to, because we were talking about the Super Bowl a little bit, uh, I've seen you combat some people in the mentions recently and just on Twitter, the Matt Stafford argument of could they do this with Kirk Cousins? Could a Kirk Cousins quarterback do this? And so, and and it a lot of it was putting it on Mike. A lot of what I was seeing was putting it on Zimmer. If they had better coaching, they could have made it to the Super Bowl. 
And sure, they could have had better coaching, but I want to know from you, if we're going into imaginary imagination land, is that what you like to call it? Yes. Um, yeah, we're in imagination land. Um, and we put the best coach in the NFL with the Vikings, with this roster, with everything that happened this season. We give them Bill Belichick. Where is this team right now? What was their record? Are they in the Super Bowl? And then I want to know if they had Urban Meyer, what happens to this team? So I want both <laughs> ends of the spectrum, good and bad. Where does this team out? Where did this team end up this year with those two guys? So real quick on the Stafford Kirk point, could Kirk Cousins have gone to the Rams and ended up in the Super Bowl? Um, maybe. I mean, I, yeah. I would not say no automatically. Like I think that it's clear Stafford is a more talented NFL player. He was drafted number one overall. Uh, let's not also forget that he was doing things early in his career that few quarterbacks had ever done and was competitive for years, nine and seven type of seasons before at the end with Matt Patricia, it got really ugly uh, with Stafford still at the helm there, but like a more talented quarterback overall, just a little more reckless still though. If you told me that the Vikings had Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, Odell Beckham, Cooper cup, Andrew Whitworth, and the best pass blocking offensive line in the entire NFL that you could put all those things together at once then I would say, yes, keep Kirk Cousins. Like, of course, like, but how are you doing that? You have Justin Jefferson and then what? An older Harrison Smith. Eric Hendricks is about to be 30. Uh, Adam Thielen is in his 30s now. Yeah, Delvin Cook is not a factor to me in any analysis. No running back is a factor in any analysis of what a team is going to be. Your offensive line needs a lot of work. Like, like where are these play? Where are these Hall of Famers coming from? They have... Like if you, if you told me you could like Kirk cousins could be on the actual 2017 team, like not what it became in 2018, would they have had a chance to reach the super bowl? Yes. Cause that team had a bunch of that stuff, but how are you building it now is all is the question. Like just because in imagination land, I mean, you could put a lot of quarterbacks in the Rams and imagine that happening, but it's a very rare situation that you could put this much talent together and have it stay healthy. So that's the whole kind of point there is, like, are the odds good that you get Aaron Donald? Like, no. I mean, I, I don't know. Like, you, usually you're not going to get that. So um, the question was Belichick, if he's coaching last year, and Urban, Urban Meyer. Meyer. So yep. I would say 9-8 and eight if you have Belichick. And I will say if you had Urban Meyer, 6-11. Mm, six and, uh, six and 11. I, I think that um, there is a massive overvaluing of – the difference between Zimmer and the next coach. Like, look, I mean, Zimmer in his first four years was 39 and 25. Uh, I don't look at Zimmer at all as having been, I mean, any of the, any of the coach rankings would never look at Mike Zimmer as a bottom tier coach. They would always have him in the middle. And that was kind of the problem is that like he was in the middle and Kirk was in the middle and the roster was in the middle. And then like, where did you end up in the middle? Uh, but Mike Zimmer was not a bottom tier football coach. Uh, he allowed things to become very ugly at the end inside the building. And that came out at the end of the season. When certain people talked, he ran too much on second down and 10. There is no question about that. The running obsession was pretty ridiculous, but overall um, I, I don't think that Mike Zimmer wanting them to run the ball more cost them 
five games or something. I think yeah. it probably probably was a one game difference. Bill Belichick is not particularly special anymore at deciding when to go for it on fourth down or clock management or anything like that. Um, Zimmer had problems with that, but I think Belichick would have too. Maybe the defensive scheme is a little better because I think that Zimmer asked a little too much from players who weren't capable to be what they were in 2017. Like, oh, I have veterans, so let's just run the same defense that I did before. Well, it's different players. Uh, that happened to Rex Ryan when he went from the Jets to Buffalo, where the, the players just weren't the same. Uh, they weren't developed over a number of years. I don't think Zimmer is built for that. So, so maybe Belichick is a little better adjustment-wise. Maybe he's a little better in giving his offensive coordinator some freedom. That's probably worth a game. I'm not sure you're in the playoffs. I just think the roster wasn't that good. And uh, Urban Meyer, I mean, the Jacksonville roster was horrendous. And rookie quarterback is tough. Rookie quarterbacks never win almost um, unless they're dropped into a really good situation. So, I, you know, I think that he was a horrendous, horrendous coach and a complete laughing stock. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they had enough talent where they probably were going to win six games anyway. Do you agree with that? I, on the Urban Meyer point, I would not underestimate the ability of Urban Meyer to just F up an entire situation. <laughs> so yeah. uh, he might even be able to bring Kirk's, uh, the buoy of Kirk's seven and nine, seven and 10 seasons down further. I think maybe they win five, four games with Urban Meyer. And then with Belichick, I think. Maybe he wins one more game. I think maybe maybe you win that second Lions game uh, if you have Bill Belichick as your coach. Uh, maybe you get one of the first two uh, that that you missed. So I see them maybe squeaking into the playoffs with Bill Belichick with this team and then probably losing to the Rams in the first round because they can't stop Aaron Donald and Von Miller and Cooper Cup regardless of who the coach is. Like that's not a – it's not really a coaching error. That is a just pure talent, uh, best on best. You're going to lose those – more often than you're going to win those. So yeah, I think, I think I don't I don't think putting even one of the best coaches of all time changes what you saw with this team. And I think that's the point that you're trying to get across with this. Even with the Stafford Cousins argument, it's a little different, but it's just there were more holes than just a, a coach, a, a really good coach, or more holes than just two more cornerbacks or another better offensive lineman. Like there, there were more things separating these these two teams that are in the Super Bowl and the Vikings. And and we've been over it, so I won't belabor the point, but like there's just mythology about the close games. I mean, yeah. the Rams game was not a close game. They finished within one score. It's not a close game. The 49ers game was not that close. The 49ers had that game all set. They were about to win by 10. They miss a field goal at the end. There was a very easy, makeable field goal to give the Vikings one more shot. That was not that close of a game. Uh, that you know they were better than the Vikings that day. And the, the Vikings also won some of these games. They won yep. a coin toss in Carolina. Like there's just, well, they had these close games. So if you only had someone else coaching or calling the plays, okay, but they won some of those two and some of those were not actually that close. So I think it was six, six and eight is what they yes. finished in those close games. You would have to swing that really far for it to be a, a big difference maker. And even then, even if you gave them two extra wins, you're still talking about a number seven seed at 10 and seven, which I think was what Philadelphia was. So uh, now here's a question. This is not rhetorical. This is a real question for you. Let's say the Vikings had no quarterback right now, back to the 2017 scenario, except for the roster is obviously much different. So you had all the options in the world. I'm changing the question a little bit from what I told you it was going to be, but like would Kirk cousins be on your radar as someone to trade for? Had he done this with the jets? 
uh, or what option would you want to look for if you were completely free uh, at the quarterback position right now? Yeah, and we're assuming the Vikings were just mediocre the last few years um, with a quarterback, just a whatever, a random average quarterback, and they didn't really make – all right, I'm going to – I wouldn't sign him um, if that has come obvious to listeners, but I think um, – I, I mean, it's hard because – in the current market, I would rather trade three first-round picks for Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson than I would just take Kirk at his current salary or a slight diminished. Like, I'd rather trade the picks and get that quarterback than I would just sign Kirk out on the open market, which I think is an indictment of Kirk because that's a lot to give up, but those guys are just better. And the even if we're not operating like we have seen the last three, four years with Cousins, we've seen Cousins like quarterbacks on other teams fail recently. I mean, Baker Mayfield on a much smaller contract, they can't get it done with him. Now you're going to be paying him more than that. Derek Carr, you make it one round into the playoffs with, you know, a a solid defense, not great weapons. So maybe Kirk does slightly better. I don't know. I think Derek Carr might be a little bit of a better quarterback, but that's kind of the ceiling you're looking at here. So if the Vikings aren't a complete laughing stock and are trying to get to that next Super Bowl level consistently, I don't think that's Kirk. If they were a Jaguars type team, just a horrible team that's looking for competency, then I can talk myself into a Kirk Cousins to stabilize the franchise a little bit, not make them a laughing stock, not make them a team that's just turning over coaches, turning over players. Like he has value there. And you can, for those types of teams, like you can reach the playoffs, which for a lot of the NFL is just what a lot of fan bases are hoping for because their teams have been so bad for so long. So if I was in that position, I would maybe think about Kirk Cousins and maybe you try to get him a little less expensive, a little bit more of a, at least a deal you can work with uh, in terms of trading one that isn't just an albatross. If you don't sign uh, him to an extension or cut him or trade him, like you, if you can find some sort of middle ground, I go after him, but for the Vikings, no, with this team, no, I, I think that's not really where I would be going. I would be going with a bridge because you need that rookie quarterback or straight up going with a rookie. Or if you want to go in, truly go all in. Trade the first round picks for the MVP guy that has won a Super Bowl in Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson. If you want to go in all in, just fully do it. Going halfway in with a halfway decent option that maybe will work that Kirk has been, just it pr- it's proven not to work really well unless you can get everything else around you to work. And it's just, it hasn't happened. So I would... I would opt for not Kirk. Uh, what would you do? Would you sign him again? I think that uh, it really, the question really crystallizes where they are as a franchise that you would not be saying, let's use all of our cap space to bring in this guy with so many positions that are open. I mean, I've run through it on the, on the show, but I was writing about it and I just grabbed a, a PFF graphic of the Vikings entire defense and what it looks like right now. And there was one player under the age of 25 that I would say you're going forward with. And that's Cam Dantzler, who didn't even start this last year. Now, I think Mike Zimmer was wrong for doing that. Ultimately, that playing Breland over Dantzler, that should have been done in like week three. And uh, maybe maybe Belichick figures that out and then they win 14 games instead. I doubt it, though. But it's never it's never about what you did last year. And that is a really key point is that this was an issue with 2019 to 2020. 
It's not about where you were in 2019. It's about where you're going to be in 2020. Oh, we won a playoff game. That doesn't matter anymore. Well, we lost close games. That doesn't matter anymore because half the veterans, if not all of them, are gone. Anthony Barr played well this year. He's gone. Patrick Peterson was decent. He's gone. You have to replace him. Like you might bring him back as one of the options, but as for right now, that's an opening. You have three cornerback openings. You have to replace them. You don't just get to re you don't get to copy and paste what happened last year and be like, Oh, let's add a guard. And then it'll all be better. Like, no, these players are free agents. They're leaving. <laughs> like, um, so I would probably look at the, where they were at as a franchise in the whole and say, drafting a quarterback has to be the answer. And the only answer However, if I, if I was forced to acquire one of them, it would probably be Jimmy Garoppolo only as a bridge quarterback to the guy that I draft. So I can't give up, you know, a first round pick. If it's, if it's Wilson, that's harder because he is great. But I also look at his team and go, well, he had elite wide receivers, two of them, two great wide receivers. But what happened? Big contract, even Russell Wilson, they couldn't hold it together when they didn't draft well. And that's the needle you have to thread if you sign someone like that is you basically have to have them play great and then hit on all the draft picks. New Orleans did. Uh, New Orleans had Breeze play great, which of course Cousins is not Breeze. But if we're if we're transferring this to the Wilson scenario, but they hit on a ton of draft picks, Marcus Lattimore and Michael Thomas. And I mean, they were able to build this great roster uh, Alvin Kamara uh, became much more than just a running back for them. And so that's what it took to get them to where they were, because even with Breeze, when they were in a bad situation, they were still having sort of 500 seasons. So, um, yeah, that I think that that shows you truly how difficult it is and how much draft luck it basically takes to get there. So, yeah, I don't I don't know. I, I'm There's not one of these quarterbacks Mayfield because it's a short term contract that I would say, oh, yeah, no, that's the guy that I want, and you could build around them. So Yeah, and for this question in, in particular, it's interesting to kind of parallel where that team was after 2017 and just stack up what that roster was looking like moving into 2018 and what this roster is looking like into 2022 because I think it's pretty hard to argue that, that, that this team right now is more talented than at least that team was entering the 2018 season with Dalvin on a – rookie deal with Diggs Thielen still there in the young parts of their careers with that defensive core a lot still intact. So even if you're, you are com just parent comparing those situations, you would have rather added Kirk cousins when you did than when you did. Oh yeah. And then, then you would this time around. So it, that makes it even, that makes the point even clearer of now, why would you invest in that type of quarterback? Because your team's worse than it was then. Right. I, thought that it would go this way uh, when they signed him in 2018. The receipts are out there on the internet, but it was always justifiable. I never said that it's not justifiable, just that the most likely scenario is kind of what happened. Uh, by the way, I ran into something interesting in my Googling over the last couple of uh, days. How about this for a headline? Now, the person who wrote this, Sam Monson for Pro Football Focus, is a great friend of the show. So do not anybody mm -hmm. take this as I'm dunking on Sam Monson because you can go back and listen to me talk about how the Rams weren't going to make it. Okay. So this happens you all probably the time. dunk on yeah. Sam though physically, if you've seen you could yes, yeah, he's shorter yes. than me. Yes. But uh, but I can't dunk. You I'm saying everyone, everyone has takes that make sense when you write them and don't turn out to be what they are. It made sense to question the Rams, but they're here. But I ran into this headline. This is from 2017, January 2nd. Bills should build around Tyrod Taylor, not show him the door. 
And Sam Monson goes into this huge article with all these stats that show that Tyrod Taylor is very solidly average and makes the case that it's really hard to get. And he writes, everybody is searching for the next Aaron Rodgers, but uh, it's hard to find the next Aaron Rodgers. So you should take a proven commodity and build around them. And uh, the Bills went a different direction, drafted Josh Allen, and are now one of the premier teams in the NFL. And look, there are other examples of this not working out. I know you don't have to tweet me about the Jets blowing their draft pick twice and maybe three times. I get it. Uh, the point just being that there were very real conversations about that in, in Buffalo. And I ran into this because some people tweeted me like they didn't believe me. Like uh, they, they did not believe me that there was this huge debate over Tyrod Taylor. That was exactly what's going on with Kirk. And there were legitimate statistical arguments to show the guy is decent. It said right here, Tyrod Taylor ended the 2016 season as the 10th best overall graded quarterback by PFF higher than Alex Smith, Ben Roethlisberger, Jameis Winston, Andy Dalton, and Dak Prescott. Does this not sound familiar to anybody? Um, that's, I, I think that's sort of, again, like, kind of tells you, you know, how hard it is to, to build around a quarterback who's just okay. And having the 10th best at stuff is just not going to cut it if that person is expensive. So anyway, let's uh, let's run through a few more of these uh, yeah. questions before we wrap yeah. it up. Can we, can we have our pro bowl discussion now? Um, because <laughs> I, we were watching it before this. I didn't know, like, are we going to record after the pro bowl? Like, do we want to watch this pro bowl? And then you're like, break it down. Play no. by play, Paul. Yeah. Let's, Let's just do it right in the middle. So I don't know what's going on in the Pro Bowl. When we started recording, Kirk had just thrown or just fumbled a fumble six or whatever had just happened. So his MVP um, vote or his MVP chances of being the Pro Bowl MVP are just dropping, which is what I was looking for today out of the Pro Bowl. But man, it's just it's really bad. It's 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 really bad. I was having a conversation with my roommate, just looking at all the different like All Star games and trying to figure out where the NFL ranks. Like it's the worst of all of them uh, pretty clearly. How do we, how do we fix this thing? What do we, what do we do? Like in a perfect world, I know you said like if if injuries didn't exist in this and you had everyone playing in it, how would you structure it? How, how do we fix this? Cause I, I don't know. Cause today, today is not, not a good day. No, it's not a shameful day for the sport. Honestly, like when you have, if I seemed extra grumpy about the Vikings, it was because I just had to watch that pro bowl and I was, you did not have it. to watch the Pro Bowl. Well, I, I was I watching the Pro Bowl. You could re-watch the Senior Bowl. Um, but uh, so there's no fixing it, I don't think. Um, what they've done with the events and stuff before that, like the dodgeball and those things, that's fun. I think that's a really good idea. I, I thought, you know, one thing that everybody is doing to try to up the profile of their sport is if you're Formula One, you're making a Netflix series. If you are, um, yeah, what is it? LPGA is putting together, I think it's a YouTube series, sort of inside the game, the LPGA version. It's a great way to create cool content that brings people inside the game and then draws more interest. You learn the stories and things like that. I would love if they just put together an NFL film special on every player who is voted to the Pro Bowl and call that the Pro Bowl. And everybody can go down there and do their interviews and, and play all those other games and everything else that they play where they're doing the trick shots and the, you know, everything else. That's totally fine. Uh, 
I, I don't know if the NFL needs the revenue of putting people in a stadium and what is it in Orlando? Like, do they, do they need the revenue of that one game to still be there? I, I don't think so, but it, it would be like the old Madden team where on the weekend before the Super Bowl, and I believe it was maybe before the Pro Bowl or something. No, the Pro Bowl was after the Super Bowl back in the day. So the week before was the all Madden team. And it was just basically a big, like, high five to all the great players in the league that John Madden loved. And they've never tried to repeat that. And I just wish that they were working on highlight reels, interviews, conversations, because people love 30 for 30s. They love sports documentaries. Like, this is a change over the last 10, 15 years that we love this style of storytelling. And there's so many great players with so many great stories that you can just highlight and show that on TV. And I guarantee people would watch it. Maybe not as much as a game, uh, but it would be way better content, way better. You could do, I mean, you could do conversations with players after that, where you're, you know, having sit down interviews and players kind of coming in one after the next. I don't know. There's so much better football content that you can create than this shameful laughing stock that the NFL put on today. Yeah. I, I think you just let the skills competition be like the whole thing. Like you get the players in there to a nice destination. They can like put it back in Hawaii. I don't care if they, if that's what the players want to get them down there and do the fun skills stuff, create some fun stuff, market that and put that at your prime Sunday at 2 PM slot people are going to watch it it's sports unless they're watching the at&t pebble beach pro-am right now like they're not watching anything else like it's they're people are going to watch it and if you put that at the time at the time slot you give all the marketing dollars to all of that people are going to watch it and it's going to be fun like that's the most fun people have with like people like the mlb all-star game mostly because of the home run derby part of it they like the nba all-star game because of the dunk contest and the three-point contest like you don't have to tack on this game because unlike those sports who can at least replicate their sport somewhat, you don't replicate your sport at all in this pro bowl. So you're not showcasing the best talent. You're just showcasing which two players want to play harder than all the other guys, <laughs> which guy is actually going to run his full 40 yard dash speed down the sideline. Uh, and the other, and the corner is going to be like, bro, what are you, what are you doing? Like, I thought we we're just out here. Like those are the people that do well, that's what you're showcasing. So you might as well just cut that off entirely and just make it a big weekend, do a bunch more content like you were saying, and just go all in on that. There's no reason to have a game. You can't put any importance on the game for any sort of reason. That's just never going to work. No one wants to see anyone get hurt. No one wants to see any of that happen. So just, I it, it shouldn't be a thing. And I know most people are on this side, but they still keep doing the Pro Bowl. So someone's I mean, a lot of it's revenue dollars and whatever, but like there's just so many more ways that you can still generate revenue. The NFL is going to generate revenue in whatever it wants to do. So let's try to find something that's a little bit more fun. Right. They'll be fine. I think they'll be fine. Yeah. Give the project over to ESPN and NFL Films. Create a documentary to show on all the Pro Bowl players and go behind the scenes with those guys, spend the whole year kind of working on it, and uh, then go from there. And I think it would be really enjoyable to watch. Um, because look, I mean, we only see certain guys a handful of times per year. So if there's players on other teams that you don't know a whole lot about, I mean, this is like what you would do with the Madden team where like, I don't know, is a uh, defensive lineman from the Eagles. Like, I don't know a lot about this guy. I get to learn about him. Here's an interview with him. Here's Madden talking about why he loves him so much. Like, 
stuff like that is, I think, I think it's great. Um, it, it doesn't have to exactly connect to ratings and dollars because I think of it this way is if you only have one restaurant in town and the restaurant is horrible and you go to it and you eat there and you're like, Oh, geez. Yes. You gave them your money and they could be like, well, you ate here. You're like, <laughs> right. But I mean, that doesn't make it good though. I was mean, just too I lazy to cook. It. Like right. you, right. you coming here is an indictment of me and what I was right. doing. Not just, you. Right. That doesn't mean you can't do better just because I came here. So yeah. um, one more real quick and you made this yes. real, real lightning quick, but I, I enjoyed this. I saw some folks on Twitter trying to be the guy, you know, you, you want to be the guy with the take. Of you want to jump in there early, oh, man. get in there before Super Bowl week, because then they all start getting muddy up. You get in there the first week, and if you're the guy that says Joe Burrow is better than Patrick Mahomes, then whoa, baby, you are getting that internet attention. So there's one guy, I don't know his name, who got a bunch of the internet attention by saying, Burrow, he's smarter than Mahomes, which mm, a little layered there. think Mahomes is pretty smart. Anyway, uh, but uh, – Tell me which one of these AFC. So watch out for that, folks. Don't yes. be dragged in by that. That's ridiculous. I but, wake up. Uh, I wake up at four a.m. every morning, just trying to just brainstorm and takes to put yeah, out. Right. Beat yeah. everybody to just, the take. Just, right. Yeah. I, I. I. It's. It's my grind every morning, and so yeah. I'm. I'm mad it's that only, I didn't come up with that one because that one's. That one's. You know, top tier. Top tier. Stuff. If only. If only you were the first one and one, last one out with hot takes. But uh, anyway, <laughs> so that was bound to be out there, but. Who in the NFL right now, what quarterback who is in the NFL right now wins the most Super Bowls over the next 10 years? I mean, I think a lot of people are going to try to find another answer that's not Patrick Mahomes. Uh, but to me, that that's pretty clearly the the answer. I mean, they were uh, just a play away from being back there again this year. And then we're talking about, then the conversation switches more to like, is Mahomes going to get close to Brady that becomes what happens with one game or something like that and Mahomes has the leg up because he's already got one so it's like if we're I mean if we're starting from ground zero at this point who's going to win starting from zero all right still Mahomes um I think he's got a contract that's big right now but in a few years it's like 10 years I think in a few years that's not going to look that big they're going to be able to continue to build around him I have confidence in him just as the best quarterback out of all of them the one that consistently peaks at the best times, at the most important times, whether there's th- 13 seconds on the clock or when, whenever you need him, it, it feels like any other conversation that we're having right now is just to try to have a like a zig a, a zag take from Patrick Mahomes. If there was someone obvious in the NFC, I think then there's a conversation there. But unless you're picking like Dak Prescott or Kyler Murray or something, like you're, it'd be hard pressed to pick against Mahomes because the only the only you know argument against it is how competitive the AFC is so yes he's not going to win seven of them but I I expect him and think he will win more of them than the rest of them will he'll get more shots than the rest of them will and then he'll have more Super Bowls than the rest of them so if you I mean if you moved if you moved Josh Allen to the NFC maybe it's different but right now it's just Mahomes yeah, I don't think there's any other answer than Mahomes. The only thing is with Joe Burrow, this is only year two of his rookie contract. So if he wins the Super Bowl here, uh, which kind of loads the question a little bit. So I guess if you weren't counting this year, yeah. but uh, 
I mean, he's got several more years if he's already capable of getting a team here, but we've seen how much that took. I mean, even for Joe Burrow, like, look, let's not pretend there wasn't a lot of luck involved. He didn't play very well against Tennessee. Ryan Tannehill threw his team the ball. Um, barely they, beat the Raiders. Yeah. They barely beat the Raiders and barely beat the Chiefs. And Mahomes had to have the most un Mahomesian like half that he's ever yeah. had. So, yeah, I think that that's still, I, that still is the answer. Um, you should have just said Justin Fields just to make everybody angry on a Monday. It's like, oh, it's obviously Justin Fields. Aaron Rodgers, man. He's coming back to Green Bay and he's going <laughs> to win two more. That's, that's Doesn't that, that shows you. That that's shows my you. 4 a.m. take, yeah. I think. The, yeah. the, answer, the answer is probably nobody wins multiple Super Bowls, even Patrick Mahomes, in the next 10 years because we've seen how hard it is. My answer is Malik Willis on the Vikings. <laughs> there you go. That'll make people feel better. Well, thanks for your time, Paul. Get, uh, go. Maybe you were DVRing the Pro Bowl and you want to watch. Yeah, the rest yeah, of yeah. Break. I'll get back. I'll get back to the first quarter where I was. Yep. And real quick, uh, we have launched at purpleinsider.substack.com, which we're working on that that purpleinsider.com site. It's like under construction, but it will be launching soon, which will be cool because everyone can go there eventually and then see everything we're doing, like videos, podcasts, articles. Anyway, but you now have a draft column called yes. skull searching. So each week you're putting together five things that stood out to you. Um, this week you talked about hand size, but you also talked about, um, you know, Kenny Pickett and what's being said about him, um, you know, at the senior bowl, I think, or maybe I wrote that anyway. So it was a, it was a really good piece though, Paul, that you wrote at um, the website. So people should go check that out. Purple insider is where that exists. Now it's open for everybody to read if they want to check it out and then become a subscriber to get the rest of them. So great stuff. And uh, we will talk again uh, next week after the Super Bowl. I think you doing anything you busy. Uh, I am never too busy for this podcast, so I will exactly. be ready. That's the right answer. Thanks, Paul.